There's no way to fulfillment. There's no way to happiness unless you're living an intense life. And the only way you can live an intense life is if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone consistently. I think that we need to challenge ourselves in, in the very practical ways that we live. And what is that really stopping us from doing? Spirituality is about movement. Even our spiritual understandings, if we stay within that which we know, we're not spiritual. So there's a nature, which is what we know and what exists. And then there's the realm of miracles, which is going beyond the laws that govern our world. So how do we access that? When a person changes or goes against his nature and gives up of himself, he forces nature to give itself no matter what the rules are. Only way, really, to access that realm of the miraculous is if you go against your nature. Welcome to the Spiritually Hungry Podcast, episode 57. Wow, 57. We hope you had a very uncomfortable week. <laughs> By choice. By choice. And then expansive growth. So it's interesting. I was talking with somebody today and she wanted some advice on how she could change certain things in her relationships with many people, not just romantic, but her children. And she kept sharing how it's so difficult for her to say no. She says yes to everybody, people pleases. And then I said, well, then I'm sure there's a point where you explode. I don't think she was going to divulge that part. She's like, yes, it's exactly what happens. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly this isn't working for you. And we talked about all that. And she kept agreeing with me, yes, you're right. But it's so hard. And I just don't know, you know, I'm going to try, but like, and she was still holding on to all of those things that she's uncomfortable about, right? But that idea of actually saying no and being uncomfortable in that, which is clearly the right thing to do, right? It's going to help her grow, change, and really make her happy was just, I mean, we're working on it, but it, it was an interesting reminder of where people are at in their desire for change and growth, which requires discomfort and their fear and they're holding on to like, oh, I don't want to upset anybody. Yeah. And the unknown. Yeah. And the unknown. So, we talked a lot about the comfort zone. I want to talk a little bit about the danger of the comfort zone. Absolutely. So it's probably the one of the most dangerous things in life. Honestly, it is because basically what happens is it's not your life you're living, and then it passes you by, and you're like, "Well, yeah, what happened here? This is not what I thought it was going to be." So the first is dependency on things and routines, rigid, inflexible, being very upset when things don't go as planned. It's the first danger. The second is you will lose skills. And I think this is really scary. There's no such thing as stasis. You're either growing or devolving. And I spoke about this in a talk last week, actually the last two weeks, that if you aren't using those abilities you have to- In challenging ways. In challenging ways, right? Your ability, like that strength, that desire. And yes, you have to be uncomfortable. But if you're not using that, they actually become dormant and eventually you don't even have access the to them. Yeah, and I saw that. I've shared about my father. It's interesting because I've had many conversations with people, and fortunately, often as they look at their parents, where it's so clear that at a certain point they start pushing, and unfortunately, and then they start both the mind getting, and yes, the body yes. and the spirit start to get dim, so dim eventually they start to become invisible, and then you just don't have access to them anymore. So that one for me is really, I think, uh, scary and profound. And then the other is you'll find yourself years down the road in a place you don't like, a job you hate, and a relationship that isn't fulfilling. 
So there was this experiment, and poor, sorry, I, yeah. I, before I want, I want to hear that experiment, but you know, one of the things that I really appreciate about you oh, is that, and I, because I've seen you very often in in count, as you counsel people, and you make this point very clear, and and very very often I believe people are taken aback. Oh really? No, by, I'm aware of this. <laughs> no, by by the clarity of what you just said. Whether it's about their relationships, whether it's about their work, whether it's about their life in general. If you're not pushing to be uncomfortable in all areas that are important to you, you will lose them. Now losing them doesn't mean you won't have a relationship, you won't have a job. No, you'll just be very unhappy with it in all of it. And that's why, again, well, when you set up like that, that's there's no choice here, really. Right. I right. mean, right. we're giving you the formula for you know, a life well lived versus the alternative. Right. Sorry. Then you were. You were... So I, I mean, these poor mice, because there's a few <laughs> actually experiments that I found, but I thought this was interesting. A mouse was put. I mean, I also think it's really mean, but I'm just going to say that a mouse was put at the top of a jar that was filled with grain. It was happy to have access to so much food around it. Imagine a whole jar, right? After which it decided not to search for food again. After all, the load of food all around, it could easily live a happy life. However, as days went by, the mouse devoured the grains until it reached the bottom of the jar and the mouse could no longer make its way out. It was stuck. The mouse was solely dependent on that grain for survival. And when the jar eventually empties out, the mouse will starve. So the mouse got too comfortable and was short-sighted, resulting in its eventual entrapment and death. That's interesting. That is life. That's so beautiful, right? That is beautiful because because if you look and again, I want to under, under, underscore what you said, which is so important. Living within the comfort zone, we are literally eating away at everything that makes us unique, special, powerful, important, and at a certain point becomes your prison. Absolutely. Honestly. Absolutely. And I think And then there's no more know, options. What was he going to do exactly, now? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Knowing that, knowing that ahead of time, wherever any one of us is at in our lives, wherever any one of our listeners is at in our lives, knowing that a life like think about that mouse sitting on the on that's where every one of us is right now. We're sitting on whatever comfort there is unless we are pushing pushing consistently in the areas that are important for us against our comfort we're going to wind up like that mouse it might take a year it might take 50 years but there's only one way there's only one end to living within the comfort zone and that's the mouse in the jar i thought this was really interesting too by the way but the only thing my only question is that why wouldn't the scientists why would they just let him die in the jar <laughs> just i'm hoping i mean the <laughs> you mean he would have died but they took him out at then. Hopefully, that's my version to the. Yes, end of that you story. always like a happy ending <laughs> to the stories. So, this author Daniel H. Pink, he wrote "Drive: The Surprising Truth About What Motivates Us." He said we need a place of productive discomfort. So I thought this was interesting. Right. If you're too comfortable, you're not productive, and we talk about this a lot in terms of location and where people choose to live right. and. And if you're too uncomfortable, you're not productive. Like Goldilocks, we can't be too hot or too cold. I love all these children's stories. And there was a famous experiment conducted by psychologists Robert M. Yerkes and John D. Dotson way back in 1908. Those poor mice again. They found Hopefully that- Hopefully different mice. <laughs> well, in 1908, <laughs> they always kept using the same- In 1908, I'm pretty sure that- I don't know who's saving, I don't know what's going on. 
they found the stimulation improved performance up to a certain level. And we all know this. I have actually like, I know when I hit the different points, right? So again, using mice, they found that stimulation improved performance up to a certain level, what is now known as optimal anxiety. When that level is passed, we're under too much stress and performance deteriorates. Right, right. I think it's very important. I know you want to make a point, but that that, that idea that there's a, a per, I don't want to say a perfect balance, but it's not meant to be perfect. We're not perfectionists. But that there is a balance between comfort and lack of comfort. And that's why I want to bring yeah. it up, because I think sometimes people can, they're, 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 they're so, and I, I see this a lot with people who are really studying spirituality. They're like, and that actually with that conversation with that woman today, she was like, but I'm supposed to always share. I'm supposed to do the right thing. I'm like, there's no supposed to be. By the way, if you're sharing and you're cursing at them and you're resenting it and you're not happy, then you're not going to get the the full light, the growth, the transformation from that action, right? So if you're going to do something, be all in. What was it? What was that phrase? Optimum. Optimal anxiety. Optimal anxiety. I think it's a very important point because right, I can see, and I we know people like this who are on the other side of this, where they push themselves, and sometimes we do it to ourselves, beyond the right state, right? Where, where, therefore, if we're talking about going out of your comfort, it doesn't mean always doing the uncomfortable, because there will be burnout then. And like what you just said, there is a point at which we lose optimal anxiety and our our, our abilities deteriorate. Because you can't deny also your desires and your needs. And your comfort. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I like this too, because there's this idea that the discomfort zone becomes the learning zone, which becomes the growth zone. So the objective is to reach the optimal level so that our skills increase and we become comfortable with that new level of anxiety that we just spoke about. Then we are in expanded comfort zone. And ideally, we'll get more used to those feelings of productive discomfort. And that's the productive point. Discomfort. And won't be scared to try new things in the future. And if you persevere, you'll eventually enter the learning zone, the place where you gain new skills and deal with challenges resourcefully. After the period of learning, a new comfort zone is formed, wherein one's abilities expand to reach even greater heights of performance, and that is known as the growth zone. So it becomes this... That, Can that's, you say it again? I want to make sure, again, for myself and for our listeners... The because that's the evolution we, yes. of growth. That's actually breaking down how transformation in one occurs. You don't mind repeating, yeah. Sure. So the objective is to reach the optimal level so that our skills increase and we become comfortable with a new level of anxiety, right? Because that's the, that's the discomfort, the beginning stages of it. Then we're in an expanded comfort zone at that place, right? And ideally, we'll get more used to those feelings of productive discomfort and right. won't be scared to try new things in the future. Because that becomes our new normal. Right. Whereas, again, conversely, if it's too uncomfortable, we push ourselves in the wrong way. Burnout. Burnout. And we, yes. And ineffective, actually. If you persevere, you'll eventually enter the learning zone, the place where you gain new skills and deal with challenges resourcefully. I, I love living in this space. After a period of learning, a new comfort zone is formed, wherein one's ability expands to reach even greater heights of performance. And that is known as the growth zone. Beautiful. Which reminds me, I mentioned in the last episode uh, a very important book called The Comfort Crisis, which I do recommend by uh, Michael Easter. And he quotes there a relatively famous, very hard to pronounce uh, <laughs> psychologist. Uh, but I'll, I'll quote from, from the book. And I think it's, again, I find it both very inspiring and I hope for our listeners, uh, awakening 
a desire to consistently exit our comfort zone. So, as a young psychology researcher in the 1960s, Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi noticed something fascinating about artists. They could become completely present and engrossed in their work. In these instances, their action and awareness would merge. Random thoughts, bodily sensations like pain or hunger, and even their sense of ego and self would all fade. It was a sort of prolonged Zen in the art of art, right? It's, as, as he will say, that idea of flow, living in flow, right? That state where everything's working, in the, your body, your mind, you're able to accomplish. So he began studying that state, which he eventually named flow state, which I think many of our listeners have probably read a lot about. He really was the, the first researcher to both discover it and, and name it. Over his career, where he ran the psychology department at the University of Chicago and was president of the American Psychology Association, he interviewed thousands of high-level performers. They ranged from chess players, rock climbers and painters, to surgeons, writers, and Formula One drivers. Lapsing into flow requires two conditions. The task must stretch a person's limit, and it must have a clear goal. Mm. But it must stretch the limit, and it must have a clear goal. The flow state, he found, and the other researchers now believe, is a key driver of happiness and growth. And I think that's everything we're saying. Which is, it's not just about living in the flow state, which is great if you want to accomplish, but it also is very much correlated in research to living in a state of happiness and fulfillment. The flow state, and the other research, is a key driver of happiness and growth. It is the opposite of apathy. He wrote that flow has the potential to make life more rich, intense, and meaningful. It is good because it increases the strengths and complexity of the self. And I'd like, I find this very inspiring, and I hope for our readers, right? We all want to have a rich life. But unless you are pushing, and I'll, again, I often like to repeat when I think something is so important, the task must stretch a person's limit. Mm -hmm. And again, to myself, to you, to our listeners, how often are you involved in a task that forces you to stretch your limits, remembering that it is a key driver of happiness and growth, and it has the potential to make life more rich, intense, and meaningful? And I think uh, we spoke about, we touched upon this, that life deteriorates, unfortunately, because we are not consistently pushing ourselves in this way. Mm -hmm. You want to have a rich life, you want to have an intense life, you want to have a full life, stretch yourself. Go out of your comfort zone. And it increases the strengths and complexity of the self. And I think this really encompasses, what I think I find so beautiful, is that it really encompasses everything we said. You, the, oh, there's no way to fulfillment. There's no way to happiness unless you're living an intense life. And the only way you can live an intense life is if you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone consistently. Well, let's define intense, though. Rich, right? I mean... Because intense sounds it's good like to stress. Go <laughs> to you. Um, but <laughs> I think intense means a full life, mm -hmm. right? A life that is exciting. But, you know, I, I've shared this before, but I try to live every single day. I believe it's po both possible and necessary to live inspired every single day. I try to, I make, you know, every day when I wake up, I have my morning meditations and connections that I do. And then I try to study, read something, think about something that inspires me, and try not to begin my day unless I've come across something new, something that inspires me or new for today. That's what is an intense life. That's a rich life. And I think, again, 
it's not that there's anything wrong. And like you, like you said, very important. There is that balance. Yeah, it's it's important to have vacation. It's important to have breaks. But as a path in life, you want a rich life. Push yourself. You have to be pushing yourself. Yes, there must be a purpose for it, as he said. But you must be pushing yourself. The task must stretch our limits. It's interesting. I think about you know. I like to watch. We both do like twenty twenty Dateline. Those um, crime solving kind of true true crime. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I think about countless of stories that I've heard and watched where you know this one detective just couldn't give no, up. No. Right? They wanted to find out, and they spent years and in intensity to really find and solve what happened to the victim. And they usually, I mean, they're on these shows now, right? So I think that is an example of actually living life like that. Yes. And, and what I, what I want to stress is that every, I don't want to use the word stress, what I want to underline is that for every one of our listeners, every one of our listeners, our life can be better. You're happy with your life, satisfied, great. You could both be better and lasting. But the only way to guarantee a life that is both filled today and lasting for tomorrow in its fulfillment and joy is if you're pushing against your comfort zone consistently. So I want to actually take it a different way a little bit. And that's the idea that control or the illusion of it actually equals comfort. Interesting. So Brene Brown, you know, I really like her work. I'm sure many are familiar with her. She's a professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work and also author of The Gift of Imperfection. And her definition of the comfort zone is related to not just comfort, but a sense of control. She said, where our uncertainty, scarcity, and vulnerability are minimized, where we believe we have access to enough love, food, talent, time, admiration, where we feel we have some control. The trouble is, Ms. Brown said, when we get into times of social, political, and financial instability, our comfort zones get smaller. Say that again. When we get into times of social, political, or financial instability, right. our comfort zones get smaller. The more afraid we are, she said, the more impenetrable of comfort zone buffers become. So it's so when interesting. We're scared of loss, right? Of losing control. You're saying our comfort. We 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 borrow we create, further into our exactly. comfort zone. So interesting. Because we think, on some level, that gives us a sense of control, false control. Right. But still. Interesting. Interesting. And you know, I think something we can do is we can identify our personal comfort zones. I think that's another way to kind of get past that. So if you explore your comfort zone by first thinking of everything in your life that is convenient, from your food to your clothes to your job to your friends to where you shop to the music you listen to, like the the things that really you you feel very settled in. If it's convenient, that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad, but take a look at it, right? And see if there's an area that you're prioritizing convenience over substance. So for instance, in the area of food, it might mean that you're not consuming the best quality of food with nutrients if you're just going for convenience, right? So maybe you're not looking at how many carbs you're having, fat, protein, sugar ratio, and that imbalance is a diet directly affects the way you feel right now, right? Look at your mood today, your energy levels, your weight, your health. So how convenient is it really? I think that we need to challenge ourselves in, in the very practical ways that we live. And what is that really stopping us from doing? Right? Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, because even music, if you let's say you're a deadhead and you go and you travel the world chasing, let's just as an example, and that keeps you away from doing something that might be 
more important. Or again, the fast food is quicker and easier and you've gotten used to it and you actually like it or maybe are addicted to it on some level. What at what cost? Right. And it's interesting because Michael Easton in The Comfort Crisis speaks to this idea that we, our body, even our physical body, is healthiest in a state of deprivation. That because our ancestors mm-hmm. lived in a in a world that was often very cold, in a world where often they did not have meals, food, that the physical body actually reacts best to those states of deprivation. Well, right? that's the intermittent fasting, fasting and all, and, all that. And yeah. and and I remember reading in Doctor Agus's book where he talks about the fact that there are very few things that are that uh, increase longevity than uh, uh, limiting how much we eat and and how hungry we are. And again, not comfortable, but the reality. But you, you feel better. That's the truth. Well, sometimes <laughs> you feel better. I sometimes feel better. But the point is that you feel better. Yeah, that that <laughs> that that the the reality. If you look at even just the natural world, and like as you said, you look at our bodies. Not being comfortable is often the the way to get longevity, to get health, and that therefore you know we often say, when something's true in one area, it's true in all areas, and. Not that we're that we're asking our our listeners or even ourselves to be in a, that constant state of discomfort, but to understand that the injecting the state of discomfort in all areas of our lives consistently is what gives it life. The ancient word for spirituality is uchaniut, which comes from the word spirit or wind, and I often uh, speak to the fact that spirituality is about movement. If you're not moving, and moving doesn't necessarily mean you move from one place to the other, but it means you're in a state of movement, a state of of going. That even in our change or even in our spiritual understandings, if we stay within that which we know, we're not spiritual, we're not growing. And there's a teaching that says that you know, often you want to ask the, you're either asking yourself the question or looking at other people, what makes somebody more spiritual or less spiritual? You know, let's say somebody was has been a spiritual person for twenty years. They've been meditating. They've been share whatever it is that that fits into that category. The Kabbalists teach that the true, the true differentiator between somebody who is spiritual and is not is only one thing: movement. Which means somebody who has been very negative for twenty years, but today decided they're going to move. On one hand. On the other hand, somebody who's been very spiritual for twenty years, but has decided to stop moving, the person who's decided to move, even though their history is mm-hmm. negative, is unspiritual. They are spiritual, as opposed to the person who's lived an amazing life for twenty years, very spiritual, and so on and so forth, but have made a decision or is in a state of stasis of non-movement. They are not spiritual. And when you understand that, that movement is the singular indicator of whether you are a spiritual person or not. Not how much amazing things you've accomplished, or even how much negative things you've done. Those are indicators of your history. But your current state, the indicator is movement. And that's why the basic word, the ancient word used for spirituality, is spirit, or wind, because that is a singular differentiator. And therefore, we have to ask ourselves the question, am I moving today? Mm-hmm. Because you can't look back and say, oh, I've been a great person for 20 years, for 50 years. That doesn't make you a spiritual person. That doesn't make you a person who is in the right state. The right state is a state of movement. That's so interesting. True. And and which leads me to another very important idea. One of my favorite Aramaic quotes. They say, Lefum tsa'ara agra, which means 
any benefit you will receive from any action that you do is exactly equal to the difficulty that it had for you. So, for instance, and we, we use this example, if sharing to somebody is easy within their comfort zone, it is a nice action, but it is not really an action that brings to growth. And therefore, I, I often use the phrase transformational sharing. There is a very big difference between somebody who shares or gives and somebody who is pushing themselves out of their comfort zone to share and to give. Only that second group, what is called transformational giving, actually brings you growth and, tr and change. And that Aramaic phrase, in which we should all be thinking about every single day, not how much have I done, how much have I accomplished, but what did I do today that was in movement? What did I do today that was difficult for me? Because whatever light, benefit, blessing, growth that I desire to have is exactly equal to the level of difficulty, to the degree of difficulty, not to the degree of action. Yeah, if that's the thing we need to remember each day. I want to give you an opportunity here to get a little uncomfortable. Oh, great. <laughs> so first, let me explain. There's a Kabbalistic concept called Misirut Nefesh, which means giving up of oneself. And Rav Brandwein, the Rav, your father's teacher, explains the logic in the, the spiritual system of right. miracles, right? Very important teaching. So there's a nature, which is what we know and what exists. And then there's the realm of miracles, which is going beyond the laws that govern our world. So how do we access that? And Rav I'm not uncomfortable yet. I'm going to get oh, you there. Okay, just about a minute. Rav Reinwein said... She's very inspired and excited. I can't wait <laughs> for the next part. Rav Reinwein told the Rav that when a person changes or goes against his nature and gives up of himself, he forces nature to give itself no matter what the rules are. Which is really powerful, right? Well, I, I, I don't want to gloss over... This no, we're is not going to... Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, this is such a fundamental teaching. You know, very often in life, we are in need of miracles. For the most part, most days, yeah. Really, and 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 on a, on a most basic level, a miracle is a change of nature, right? Uh, a person's in a difficult financial situation, or health, or, or health, or, or otherwise. A miracle goes against the way of the world, as it's called. And the Kabbalist teaching, as you said, my father's teacher wrote a letter that we have that teaches this teaching, which again I find fundamental. I think about this often. I share it often. The only way to enter the realm of miracles, to access the realm of miracles, is based on a foundational teaching that is, as we behave, so the universe or the Creator behaves with us. The universe or the Creator is a mirror to our actions. So that is the first understanding. Then, if you want the nature of the world to change, you want this disease unnaturally to go away. You want this challenge to unnaturally go away. The only way, really, to access that realm of the miraculous is if you go against your nature. And the deeper you go against your nature, the more, consequently, nature, nature you can break. Mm -hmm. And it is an exact balance. You need a big miracle, you need a big going out of your comfort zone. Or, as the ancient word you mentioned, giving up of yourself, giving up of your nature, of your desire, which we call the desire to receive the self alone. And when you understand that it's a science, it's not, oh, I need a miracle, I'll pray for a miracle, I need a miracle. No, no. There's a way this works. And the system is such. As you behave, so the universe behaves with you. You want something that is beyond natural, you have to behave beyond natural. You want something that is greatly beyond nature, you have to behave greatly against your nature. 
And that's why going against our, our nature is not just the way, as we've said until now, to fulfill the purpose, to manifest your potential, to have fulfillment in your life, to live an intense life and a, and a full life. It's also the only way to create miracles in your life, great and small. And, and it is such a fundamental teaching you know, people go, they need miracles, they go to well, sages, wise men, Priest, to get blessings. Uh, yeah. It's all within us. It's very and simple. This is how you access it's it. It's very simple. You want nature to change? Change your nature. To the degree that you're, you change your nature a lot, change your nature will change for you a lot. There's no other way around it. No other way around it. So, you wrote a song to this, right? Kozman? Oh, yes. Yes, and you actually sing it beautifully. And you haven't sung on our podcast yet. And it's an opportunity to go against what sure, you want sure. to do in your yeah, comfort. Exactly. So, Michael, sing for us. Yes. Well, it doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. I'm sorry. No, but you wouldn't want to do it in this setting. That's true. That's so true. It's a little uncomfortable. Yes. Yay. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do want to give a little bit of the background. Yes, please. So the word because honestly, it's one of my favorite songs. And oh, really? hearing you sing it, well, actually, we'll, we'll hear from our listeners if it's no, it's one of their beautiful favorites. and especially. With your voice. Thank you. You're welcome. So, in the 1960s, my father wrote these words expressing his commitment to bring wisdom to, to the world. And the words are in the original Hebrew, but they are as long as the Creator gives me strength, I will work with the totality of my strength and giving up of myself. And this is again one of my inspirations, and I hope. I know and then you wrote the. So, so the those are the words that my father wrote in the 1960s, and then. And it kind of came to you, right? Yes. So, so uh, when my father left this physical world uh, eight years ago, uh, we were in Los Angeles, and then we flew to Israel with him to to inter him in his um, resting place in the north of Israel in Sfat, where he now is with my mother. We came back uh, on that day to Tel Aviv, and then I was preparing for, we had a group of people with us that night, and suddenly this melody came to me for those words. Mm -hmm. So, this is the melody. I hope our listeners enjoy this as much as Monica. No, it was really beautiful uh, to see that process as I was sitting with you, and you were, and it came to you fairly quickly. And it's yes, just, I, it's, I, I've thought about these words a lot, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope that they are and remain a driving force in all that I do. Give it to us, Michael. Kol zeman, kol zeman, kol zeman, shashem yiten koach, kol zeman, kol zeman. Kol zeman shashem yitene koach hevod vechol kochi umesirat nefesh Bechol kochi umesirat nefesh evod. 
בכל כוחי, ומסירת נפש. וואו! Bravo. Thank you, Monica. I could hear you sing. So now I can say night. to our listeners, I hope you enjoy <laughs> listening to that, unrehearsed and unprepared as much as Surprise. I enjoy singing it. But it is, like I said, it is, it is a Beautiful. thought that I, that I think about often. It's a song that we all, almost always sing whenever we go to visit my parents, uh, as we did, I did just two days ago when I was in, uh, in Israel, in the north of Israel, for my mother's one year anniversary. But for our listeners, for myself, for Monica, this is really the path to joy. This is the path to fulfillment. This is the path to accomplishing what our soul came to, the, to this world to accomplish, making sure that we are consistently asking the question. And now I know if I want you to do anything, I'm just going to ask you. On the podcast. On the podcast. <laughs> anything. I'll do anything. Oh, good. Finally, you're busting into song now. There you go. Perfect. Got yeah. you on board. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, both the past week and this week, these episodes uh, touch upon one of the most important ideas in life, one that we try to keep as a foundation of our daily lives. And for our listeners, this has to be the question. What am I doing today? What am I doing in my life that makes me leave my comfort zone? Only path to fulfillment, only path to accomplishing what we came to this world to accomplish. So, remember, become uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Share this podcast in ways that make you uncomfortable. And... Go to Apple Podcasts, write five-star reviews, and share this podcast with everybody and everybody, because the, the reason, I can't say it's uncomfortable, because I really enjoy spending this time with Monica and with our listeners, but the reason we do this is because we hope to inspire and bring uh, a change into people's lives, and I hope that you use the opportunity to share it with, with your friends and family, and write five-stars reviews on Apple Podcasts. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I enjoyed singing it and we enjoyed <laughs> recording it. Bye.